everyone. Welcome back to What's a Story with Jillian and Shauna. Today, <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, an episode from the second season of Wishbone, The Prince of Wags. And the book we're going to talk about is the play Henry IV, Part One by William Shakespeare. Jillian, tell us about your relationship with this episode, this book. Do you have a relationship with it? Give us the scoop. Um, I don't have a relationship with this episode. I did not remember it at all. Um, and I have never read this play um, or any of the Henrys. But as we all know, I'm a huge fan of the West Wing. And there's an episode at the end of season three where they're all going, it's called Pasta Comitatus, and they're all going to see the War of the Roses, which is all of the Henrys put together. And it's like, um, it's turned into like a musical or something. I don't know. The, uh, President Bartlett is very excited about this. And then at the end, spoiler alert for a show that aired 20 years ago, um, CJ Craig's heartthrob gets shot and it's very sad. But that's really all I know about the Henry plays. So a lot. <laughs> what you're saying is you know a lot. <laughs> what I'm saying is I know a lot about the West Wing and this was a very minor plot detail and that's all I know. I'm very impressed. So for a little more context for our <laughs> listeners, Henry IV Part One uh, was written, there's an exact date for it, but Wikipedia said no later than 1597. <laughs> it's like a delivery time it'll be there no later than 1597 it's true <laughs> and it's the second play in um a four play set or wait it must be more than four it says tetralogy one two three four five okay five tetra maybe i don't know no Richard II, Henry IV, Part One, Henry IV, Part Two, Henry IV, Four. Yeah. So why isn't it a quartet of plays dealing with the successive reigns of Richard, Henry, and Henry? I don't have those answers. Um, but maybe I if I edited Wikipedia, I would be the kind of person who edited that to be a quartet of plays. And you know, if President Bartlett were here, he would be able to tell us. It's true. It's true. Actually, we should we should get him on the line. We should get him on the line. Friend of the pod. <laughs> Friend of the pod. So this play is uh, depicts about a year of history in Henry IV's life. Um, and one thing I will add is that based on the Wikipedia for the play, the Wishbone episode actually hit every single highlight of the play. Of course so, it did. I was really impressed. And uh, so when we talk about this play in a couple of minutes, you listeners are going to know everything that happens in this play. Well, and I think that's good. You don't have to watch it live, which is probably several hours of your life you'll never get back. You can watch a 30-minute episode of Wishbone on YouTube for free from the comfort of your own living room. And half of that episode is a delightful tale about middle schoolers slash high schoolers. <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> all right. That's all I have about the play. Frankly, if it isn't obvious enough, I have no, no understanding of this. <laughs> and I know nothing. <laughs> I don't know anything either. So we're it's in the same place. Excellent. Perfect. So let's jump into the episode, shall we? Yes. All right. 
So the kids are preparing for a big basketball game and Ellen brings Wishbone and just leaves him at the school. <laughs> I was just like, okay, like, I guess that makes sense. Well, I mean, she is leaving him with his owner, Joe, theoretically. True. But yeah, I don't think Wishbone just rules when I mean, he is the mayor of Oakdale. I don't know. It wasn't a good idea. It was weird. It's weird to just like let someone take their dog and like have it inside school. Anyway, the reason why it was okay in this instance was that Wishbone is going to be the mascot for the basketball team that for this big basketball game that they're preparing for the first game of the season. So I guess that's okay. <laughs> so they practice, they run, they're at practice. They run a couple plays and Joe um, encourages his teammate when he misses a pass and DeMont sinks some shots and Joe does and doesn't. And at the end of practice, the coach tells them, Hey, like you guys have to pick a, a captain, um, you know, like, let's do this. Let's pick a captain. And he walks away and DeMont says to the team, like, well, coach said, like, we need a great shooter who never misses. And he just turns around, sinks a shot and just slinks off the court. Like there's nothing left to be said, like enough said. <laughs> it was very smarmy. Smart smarmy is basically Demont's like adjective of choice. Like that was his actor secret. Like my character is smarmy. That's very true. It's kind of slimy smarmy. So the next thing we see is the basketball team is all at Pepper Pete's and Sam takes their team picture. And I was like, oh, does she work for the newspaper or something? Like this is an interesting plot twist. Um and Wishbone doesn't really understand what a mascot is, but based on something he overhears, he's like, oh, okay, so the mascot is the center of the team. That makes sense. Like, I'm just great at what I do. <laughs> well, which is crazy because Wishbone knows everything. If he knows about Henry IV, he certainly knows what a mascot is. That is a great point. And you're right. It's pretty silly that he wouldn't know what a mascot is because he knows everything and he knows where everything is. He could have read it somewhere. He has to have read a book about a mascot. For sure, for sure. <laughs> so silly. Anyway, so the team decides, like, okay, I guess since we're all here eating pizza, like, let's decide on our coach. And someone nominates Joe, and Joe is stunned. Frankly, his stunned face, like, whenever, like, the actor who plays Joe Talbot, when he was younger and now when he's older, his, when he's, like, supposed to be stunned and shocked is, like, his most effective work, I think. <laughs> <laughs> probably because he is stunned and shocked to be on a tv show after all these years like, what is happening uh yeah so joe is stunned and demont is yeah. equally stunned that joe has been nominated demont was like i thought my actions spoke for me he didn't say that but he was thinking it and joe is selected the team votes and joe's selected and joe says i won't let you guys down and he immediately spills his drink and apologizes and wishbone says that's okay like leaders don't have to be perfect like that's totally cool and i like that little little line from wishbone he's very smart a very wise dog wise from all that reading so the next thing we see is Wishbone is hanging out at the sporting goods store and the mailman comes in. Now we've definitely met that mailman before, but I couldn't remember like which story. He was, yeah, he was um, the storyteller in the like Native American stories 
Yes, yes. Okay, I can picture it now. I don't remember exactly what the episode was, but that's who he was. I remember that too. So uh, he- His name is Lee. Yes, he's the mailman and he comes in and Travis says to him either hi Dan or hi dad or Ben or something like that. I'm guessing it wasn't dad now that we're talking about it. Like, I think he probably said this person's name and I just didn't catch it properly. No, because the guy's name is Lee. Oh, okay. So maybe he did say hi. I don't know. Okay, I'm reading too much into this. <laughs> but maybe the mailman and Travis, the not Travis, the sports owner are brothers. I think Travis is a sports. Wait, uh, Travis is the older is the like guy our age who owns. Oh, I think. Oh yeah, so dad would not be a brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> See, I thought Travis was dad- the kid. No, I, I mean, it could be his dad. Like, that guy did look like he could be, like, you know, 60 years old and still a mailman. Like, that wasn't so crazy. Oh, I didn't think he looked 60. But as we've just discussed off mic, we are not very good at casting ages. So. <laughs> we're not. We're not. Anyway, Travis says hello to the mailman. <laughs> and the mailman has heard that Joe is elected team captain for the basketball team. And Travis's nephew says, OMG, like Joe must be the best player on the team if he was elected captain. But Travis says, the captain isn't the best player. He's the best leader. And just throughout this conversation, like it kind of felt like Joe felt like there was a lot of pressure being placed on him like for like being this leader of this team of this team. And it's the first game of the new season. And there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of thoughts going through his little head. <laughs> a lot of thoughts going through his little head <laughs> so the next thing we see is it's the first game of the season and Wanda is there why I still haven't figured that out but I do enjoy it's Wanda a, it's a town event and Wanda is queen of the town that's a good point you know Wanda might even have been a former mayor frankly like at this point we don't know it could be like Goodwitch. Yeah. Where, in fact, the main woman in Goodwitch is a former mayor of their small town. <laughs> so, you know, based on my experience with shows about small towns, she could have been the mayor. She could have been the mayor. Checks out as far as I'm concerned. Checks out. So Wishbone's kind of helping the guys scrimmage a little before the game. And Travis's niece sings the national anthem, which... I she does a like, very good job. She does an amazing job. And it's a Christina Aguilera level <laughs> shit. It was really good. Good for her. Good for that little actress. I hope she got some singing jobs after that. And David is doing the commentary and the game begins. So it's like very dramatic. Lots of action shots. It's really good. And we cut to like later on, like it's almost the end of the game. There's only a few seconds left. DeMont follows the other team. But even though the, the team scores, makes their, makes their shots, um, Joe helps the team rally. He has an assist. He gets some great steals. Like, Joe's, like, really good at basketball. And there's only a few seconds left, and they're down by two. And the coach says, okay, like, if you get the ball, like, call a timeout, which is smart because then you can get it in from the sidelines. So they get the ball and they call a timeout and the coach says, all right, should we go for the win or should we go for the tie? Because they're only two points below. So if they get a three, they win. And Joe says, let's go for the win. So they get the game going, get the ball in bounds. 
Joe passes to Dumont and Dumont sinks a three and they win. How's that for sports commentary, guys? <laughs> You're basically better than David is what I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so then the next thing we see is they're at Pepper Pete's and Joe and Ellen are having pizza with Travis and the kids. And my note here was, are Ellen and Travis dating? <laughs> like, I never thought about that before. But That's I, a great question. I love this. I love it. I ship it. I like Travis a lot. I see him kind of like as a father figure for Joe. And well, and Alan loves a man who loves sports. That's true. That's true. And we know Travis like is a was a former athlete. I ship it. I want. I. I this is not my head cannon. <laughs> that they're dating. That's why they're all having dinner together. And I feel like Joe won't be salty because he also loves Travis. Like they already have an established relationship. Yeah. Joe met him first. Yeah, I like it. I like this story. I, I'm gonna pay attention for the rest of the Although, show. in another one of my very favorite sports movies, The Mighty Ducks, the first one, Charlie gets very upset when Gordon Bombay starts dating his mom because Charlie just, you know, he just knows that, like, men come in and out of his mom's life. And Joe might not want that situation for Ellen, so he might get a little bit upset. Yeah, I don't see Ellen as someone who, like, introduced joe to guys she dated if she had dated guys since like joe's dad passed away um joe doesn't seem like the kind of person who would have taken that very well but like we don't know about like sam's parents either like if they've been dating we i mean honestly sam's dad and and ellen really should have been together this whole time or maybe they're secretly together they live by each other they have this long established relationship of like trust even before like there were these two couples and these children in place. So like, honestly, Ellen is a catch. And like all these, like if Ellen want, is interested in men, then these are some great trustworthy men in her life. I agree. I'm, I mean, I'm into it. I think Joe's just, you know, he's he takes his relation, his role as man of the house very seriously because Charles I remember, I remember a product of the 90s and patriarchy. Yeah, remember that episode where that guy Michael, the college, the kid who Ellen is helping, is like just being a friendly guy, and Joe's like, "Oh, he's taking over my life." <laughs> <laughs> it was so dramatic. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I just see a lot of parallels between Charlie and Joe. Actually, now that I think about it, Charlie was also the team captain. It's true. See for captain right here on his jersey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Anyway, going back to the game, <laughs> there was one last note I had about this Oakdale section, and it was that um, Travis said that it showed great leadership when Joe passed the ball to DeMont in the last play of the game instead of taking the shot for himself. And Joe said he wanted to do the right thing for the team. And next thing we see, just like at home, Wishbone is wandering around Pepper Pete's getting attention, trying to get food from the other kids. And Sam's photograph is hanging on the wall. So even though I suspected earlier that Sam might be on like the school paper or something, no, she's just taking a picture because her dad owns this restaurant. <laughs> she decided to put the picture up in a restaurant that her dad owned, which is still a shock 
to be. <laughs> Here's a shock. I didn't also know that Sam was an interior designer. That was interesting. When did that come also- Well, it didn't. She was just taking pictures to put on the walls and that's <laughs> interior design. Okay. Um, <laughs> When did that that- I was like, we don't have any scenes in a house. <laughs> She's a commercial. Got it. She works in the commercial. She works in commercial design. <laughs> um, I would like to know why the cheerleaders who Wishbone was trying to beg pizza off of had megaphone horn cone things that were like the size of them as if it were 1950 and not the 90s. That was confusing to me. Wow, good point. And I don't remember them using those during the game. They did have like no, a- No, they just carried them around. Dogs, you say go or something. Go, or the other way around, go. <laughs> I was like, when I say bulldogs, you say go. I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Clearly, we were not cheerleaders. No, I was a cheerleader. I didn't go to sports. This is like my like- secret that when I was in college I went to a Big Ten school so did Jillian I never went to a football game and I had like actual friends who played on our football team who were like good friends of mine like really good friends I just never went just wasn't my scene just wasn't my scene talking to nobody I did go to football games and I had a great time I believe it I believe it well that's all that happens in the Oakdale part what did you think of this part of the episode? Well, now that we're talking it over, I did like it a little bit more than I thought I did. But I do love a good sports story. So that was part of it. <laughs> it was a really good sports story. And I think it was a little bit more cohesive than some of the other sports stories we have on the show. I don't know why I'm saying that, but it just felt that way. Like it felt like we got like a real like moral out of the the sports story that I liked and that was relatable I agree and now that I've drawn the parallels between Joe and Charlie Conway who's one of my personal heroes I feel like I can relate to this episode a little bit more I love it I love it well let's get into the play which frankly is decidedly less interesting but I will now tell you the entire story of Henry the fourth part one Are you ready? In three bullet points or less. Yeah, in three bullet points. It's actually an impromptu for <laughs> AP English language exam. Um, so <laughs> that was a deep cut. <laughs> that was a deep that cut. Was. Anyway, I learned on TikTok that there was a question using Taylor Swift lyrics, I believe, on the AP exam this year. <laughs> yeah, I know. What? I, I would be so good at AP exams now, but I'm like, you know, twice yeah, as old as the, the people onion. who are taking me APs, so that's probably why. Dude, maybe, I don't remember which, this must have been the language exam, but there was a question about, like, that was an article from The Onion, and it was, like, about satire and, like, stuff like that. I, this is a, this is a, like, multi-decade deep cut that's coming out of my head right now. <laughs> Did we take the literature exam for our class, and then you took the something else yeah because you took all the APs well you could take the language exam for funsies and I just took it because I knew I would this is like real like asshole behavior coming out but I was like I could get a five on this no no trying and I probably did I I don't think I got a five on the literature one but the language one I was like I got this down that makes sense. I got straight threes on all my APs, which is all you need to get the credits in college. So I was going to say, that's matters. probably all you needed to get the credits. Yeah. 
and like there was one I remember with calculus I think I got skipped out of a couple classes but I almost failed calculus so they made me like retake some of the calculus classes so the end of the day what was the point and I almost failed calculus in high school too I definitely was called in a couple times and had to have like meetings that were like you are really bad at this like you probably shouldn't be in this class yeah I probably shouldn't have been in that class I'm terrible at that stuff what is the limit what is the limit I do I literally don't know I don't I also almost failed out of calculus in high school and our teacher, well, we didn't, we worked in the same class, but my calculus teacher at parent-teacher conferences, my mom went because I was doing so poorly in the class that she wanted to see like what the teacher had to say about it. And the teacher was like very concerned that I was going to ruin her perfect score on the AP. She had never had anybody fail the AP before, except for one kid and English wasn't his first language. And that was why she was like, he was like brand new to the country. And so she was like, that was why he failed. Although math is numbers, it's not words, but okay. Anyway, um, (laughs) so, so she was very concerned that I was going to fail. And she was like, really kind of mean about me. And so my mom was just like, you know what? I don't care if you pass this class. And she just told the teacher, like, maybe she's not meant to learn calculus. Maybe that's just not how her brain works. The teacher was really mad. And then I passed the AP. And I kind of wanted to fail just to ruin her perfect score. But also, I felt pretty salty about, like, I felt like she should feel salty about me passing. That's a bananas pedagogy choice to be like, this is, like, something that personally affects me. And not being like, let's help Jillian, like, achieve what she can't is capable of achieving I know well like now as an adult you you realize like just how preposterous that is like she started I remember the beginning of the year it was like I've never had anybody fail the AP and let's not make this year be a year where someone fails the AP you know like I'm so excited that I have like I have it I have this down I have a way to help you all with like pass the AP it was like don't ruin this for me so crazy like just teaching is bananas I couldn't do it for many reasons but like whoo that's that's certainly I couldn't do it for many reasons either but I really want the people who are doing it to be good at their job I agree I agree pay them more pay teachers more give them benefits give them budgets that's that's make it so that people want to do it I agree yeah if someone wants to do that job which is like very difficult help them like give them what they need set them up for success pay them and on that note we'll jump into the story of Henry the fourth part one so which was also crazy it was bananas so tells a story of prince hal and his father henry the fourth and king henry really had doubts about um prince hal's ability to lead and there's a lot of turmoil like in his lands and stuff like that and king henry also had preposterous had preposterous what facial hair yes (laughs) and head hair he had bangs that were like weird bangs (laughs) yes and he had a mustache but like his nose gutter was shaved there was like two strips yes (laughs) facial regardless of his facial hair there's a lot of turmoil in his lands and there's fighting and there's war and stuff like that and someone comes into the king's room office area and says like Hotspur has won some battles and taken some prisoners and they're like so such and I remember this name Hotspur didn't know what it meant but it's just like a name in my brain that exists in the Shakespeare world 
and the king is like wishing Hotspur was his son. But then all of a sudden we find out Hotspur is betraying him. He, I believe, let go all the prisoners they had taken or he's keeping them. One of the two things happened. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, Hotspur betrayed the king. Tell. I really couldn't tell. <laughs> let them go, or he made them stay. And either way, the kid was pissed. I thought maybe like he kept them for his own, as his own, as his own prisoner. Oh. Like, the king prisoners. I, it was very confusing. A lot of things were happening. I was really confused. Also, was your recording of this on YouTube just horrendous? Like yes. I could barely see what was happening. I could barely oh. see parts of it were cut off, and I was just like, "All right, it is what it is." yeah anyway i agree it was all very confusing it was all very confusing basically what you need to know is the king wishes hotspur was his son because he's like a maniac on the battlefield and like really good at his job but hotspur betrayed him so he's like wtf so we cut to a tavern like a pub and prince hal is hanging out with the commoners like drinking having a good time he takes um falstaff's turkey leg and i also remembered falstaff as a name in the shakespearean world and some guy comes in and he's like oh my gosh i know about a bunch of people who are going to be walking to canterbury and they're going to have full purses y'all so he's like let's steal those full purses and i will pay y'all. you <laughs> yeah y'all they're in texas <laughs> and i will pay you handsomely you help me steal those purses and prince hal says i'm not a thief like i'm prince and he runs off he leaves the tavern and he goes and like plays with some children plays tug of war he's like you know eventually i'm gonna be a fair and gracious king okay sir okay (laughs) nice try hal nice try great great idea so the next thing we see is the prince and his friend robbing some people of a big old bag of coins in the middle of the forest and it's like again very confusing and they go back to the pub and Falstaff and this other guy come in and say omg 100 men or something like 60 men or something like 75 men a whole bunch of men came and stole the 1000 pounds that we stole from other people (laughs) well Prince Hal and his friends are like LOL. It was actually two men. It was me and this gentleman right next to me. We are the people who liberated that money from you. So <laughs> there. <laughs> I like this way better than the actual episode. This I was re- going to say, this is like the best recap I have ever done. It's so we much better. liberated that money from you. <laughs> so much better than the episode. So the next thing we see is Hotspur and the king having words. And the king says, you tread upon my patience for I do see danger and disobedience in thine eye. That really like was an amazing line. And I liked it so much that I Googled it. Well, because I was like, oh my gosh, the way that the words came out, it sounded so like modern. And Jillian has brought up in a previous episode that when you're talking about like going to see Shakespeare, it takes a couple of minutes for your mind to like start absorbing the language to a point where you are hearing and not just listening. And I hit, I was like, oh my God, I hit that like 
point. I hit that like golden space where like the, the words are making sense. Well, when I Googled it, it turned out that's actually two separate lines and there's like a paragraph of text in between them. And the line was, you tread upon my patience. And then there's other stuff. And then it's, for I do see danger and disobedience in thine eye. Anyway, I just like really liked how that line happened. So I just wanted to share that with you all. <laughs> so Hotspur reveals after the king says, oh, like, I'm pretty sure you're about to betray me. I'm over you. Hotspur says, I denied no prisoners. I didn't do any of this stuff that you're claiming. I didn't betray you, whatever. Like talk to the hell. <laughs> Let's talk to the hand, not talk to the L. I was like, something is happening. I was like, I'm trying to use an expression and it's not working. <laughs> talk to the hand. I will not edit that out. <laughs> no, that stays. That's staying. It's too good. Talk to the and this is just another classic example of like, Shauna knows some expressions, but mostly doesn't know expressions. But something about like when I was a kid I got it in my head that like using idioms and expressions makes me more like approachable or like normal when in fact uh, it, it doesn't work at all I'm very literal and I never remember expressions or trivia facts correctly so like, I don't know why I try to use them all the time I think it works a little bit because like it when I mess them up all the time like in meetings and stuff I can joke about it and like you know lighten up the lighten up the tension in the air of meetings a lot I do, th I do think it makes you approachable but not in the way you want to be approachable I think okay well touche <laughs> <laughs> you live and you learn I have lived I have yet to learn <laughs> I like it I think you should always use idioms here I mean, I don't know how to stop at this point because my brain is like, oh, you can do it. You can do it. Talk to the L. Because <laughs> like, at first I also was like, there's also something like loser, loser, whatever, something like, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so loser, loser, whatever. It's like you make an L out of your right hand and an L out of your left hand. And then you put yeah. them together and you make a W. And you make a butterfly. It's like... What is it? Loser, it's like, loser, loser plus loser, loser, loser. It's like loser, loser with a twist, fly away. And then you would like kiss this and you would like kiss your butt. <laughs> wow, that's a lot more than I remembered. <laughs> I just like, I think it was like, and there was something with like the flying away. Yeah, or yeah, I don't. That's, Jillian is like pantomiming bird wings with her hands, and it's like very graceful and delicate, frankly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Work at a nature center and know how to do hand puppets. You do. Oh, you're right. Now, now it all comes together. Now it all comes together. <laughs> so, I've actually never done hand puppets at work. I was just kidding. Shadow puppets, hand puppets, pantomiming. We do have hand puppets, like cloth ones that are animals, but I've never done a puppet show. Good. Interacting with children is very difficult. <laughs> what? Like, like leading, like a, like keeping kids interested in like a play. Oh yeah. That's what I'm saying. Nothing. It's hard. <laughs> we have professionals who are much better at it than I am. Exactly. So the last thing we saw was the king telling Hotspur, like, I just don't, I can't with you. 
and the king comes to the pub and everybody like rushes out except for prince Hal. and what i really like about this scene is that the king says like a whole bunch of shakespearean language and then wishbone as prince hal translates it for us so the king says a bunch of stuff and then wishbone says oh you think i'm not acting like a prince and then the king says a bunch of stuff and wishbone as prince hal says and you don't like my friends and he looks so sad like poor little soccer the dog like he just looks so sad as prince hal in these scenes and he just wants so badly to like be taken seriously as a prince and no one's taking him seriously and he's just like oh like he's just really sad and then wishbone translates another thing that the king said he says that hotspur has switched sides and joined the rebels so now hotspur has officially betrayed them and they need to go to battle they need to go to battle so the next thing we see is that the king's men are preparing to battle hotspur and the rebels it's a huge battlefield it's like this huge grassy like football field sized meadow area and i wonder how they filmed it because it seemed like there were just tons of people <laughs> and tons of like phones um, the green screening thing that they showed us in hunchback no tree oh yeah so they probably had like 10 extras or 20 extras and they just like lined them up in a row and like filmed them a bunch of times so it would look like they were like a long line of extras instead of just little groups of 10. I remember that. Thank you for that reminder. So that was really cool and they interspersed this scene with like the basketball game to kind of add a little extra thrill which I liked as well and the battle is like very harried like there are people like fighting with spears there's people sword fighting there's like bows and arrows like there's arrows flying everywhere and Falstaff um Prince Hal's friend he grabs a sword and he like pretends to stab himself and like plays dead in the middle of the field he's like if I play dead I'm sure I'll be okay and Hotspur our enemy who betrayed us he sees Prince Hal Wishbone the Prince of Wales and he fights him and Prince Hal Wishbone grabs his sword with his teeth and he's like, like wrestling with him and Hotspur falls against a tree and he is dead. <laughs> he, he falls to his death. And then Prince Hal is like, all right, well, that's done. And he walks back to the rest of the battle and he sees Falstaff dead as well. And he's like, OMG, can't believe Falstaff was dead. And then I thought after this, he saw his dad hurt, but maybe he didn't. Um, but then after that, we see Falstaff is alive and Prince Hal's like, um, excuse you, like, what are you doing here? I saw you like you were dead. And what I learned from the Wikipedia is at this point, Falstaff like wakes up after the battle is over and he stabs Hotspur and then pretends that he killed Hotspur. And the prince is like, okay, whatever, like I'll allow it. But then the prince like, reclaims his role as prince of wales and he ha is happily ever after and i'm guessing he becomes henry the fifth <laughs> the end anything i missed with that <laughs> no that was a great retelling much better than the episode in my opinion yeah and we were chatting a little before the episode started and jillian said she didn't really like the episode and i think I, f I would have categorized myself in that category as well. I think the, the story of Henry the Fortress wasn't interesting to me. I didn't really care. I just don't care about this kind of stuff. <laughs> and 
So I just didn't care. The basketball story, when we were talking through it, I got more interested in it for sure. Um, since it felt like a little bit more like explicit, like this is the message that's happening. Do I think the two um, link together? Maybe like, you know, Joe had to like prove himself as a leader and Prince Hal wanted to prove himself as a leader so he could like reclaim his like title as Prince and Joe wanted to like earn his um, captaincy. So I do kind of see the parallels there. Um, but frankly, the, the kids basketball story was just a little more interesting than the stuff about like princes and battles and stuff. I agree. I think I, I also don't care about this at all. Like I like the Henry stuff. I just didn't care. Um, I also thought I, I did note, like you said, like wishbone, kind of translating the Shakespeare for us, but I had a harder time following it this, this time than I have in other ones. I think they did a lot less of that translating and because you're hopping back and forth in the, the story, it was really hard to follow. Um, also something we may or may not have discussed on this podcast before is that I have a really hard time telling characters apart when they're in period pieces. And sometimes I'm just too confused and I can't follow what's going on. It was hard. They're all wearing the same outfit. They all look the same. They have similar hair colors. Like, honestly, I really, I only knew the king because we'd seen him in many other things. I recognized like one of the other guys from a lot of other things. So that's pretty much the, I didn't recognize Hotspur, but it is what it is. Yeah. I just had a really hard time following it and I did like your retelling of it. It was much more engaging. Thanks. Um, but I do find sometimes when we split the, the stories apart, it's a little bit more interesting than watching it back and forth. And then sometimes it's not. It just depends on the episode. But yeah, not my favorite, but still a good episode of Wishbone because there's no such thing as a bad episode of Wishbone. No, there's always some funny little thing that happened. And Wishbone is just a cute little dog actor. He's really good at his yeah. job a little rascal and he had very cute costumes in this episode he did he had a little knight costume he had a little like prince costume with a little crown i think he had a crown at the end right yeah yeah and he had a little when he was the mascot he had like a little uh cheerleader tunic thing yeah it was all cute he's their honorary bulldog because their their school's team is the bulldogs (laughs) was it was adorable it was a great job all around by soccer great job soccer sending you lots of love (laughs) oh yeah i know it's been a while since since the show was recorded (laughs) so any other notes you wanted to make on the costumes or the fashion or 90s-ness of it all no i loved it i always love the 90s-ness of it all but nothing stood out yeah, I would say nothing really stood out. I'm really excited to watch my theory of Ellen and Travis dating come to fruition. <laughs> Me too. I like it. I love it. All right. Well, that's all I had about the episode. Anything else you want to talk about before we jump into key takeaways? Nope. All right. Let's do it, Jillian. Do you have a key takeaway from this episode? Yes. I don't I don't know exactly how to describe it but I'll start just start talking and we'll see where it goes. Um, I think my key takeaway for this episode is around Joe and his role as the captain 
he was like a little bit nervous and he was a little bit like unsure of himself, but he didn't do a lot of the self-doubt that we have seen previously with Joe. Like he wasn't, he just kind of acknowledged like, I'm not the best person on this team when it comes to shooting. Like we know that that's demand. But once he was told like, you don't have to be the best to be a leader. Leaders don't have to be perfect. He was just like, cool, I got this. And he did a really good job of rallying his team. He passed the ball to DeMond. Um, and I was just really impressed. It felt like he had grown a lot since the other episodes we had seen with him and he was just full of self-doubt. And this time he just like acknowledged it and moved forward. And I was really impressed with that. I love that. My my key takeaway was really around the same thing. Like I like that idea of leaders not being perfect, but I think that's such a good observation because I'm thinking back to other times when Joe was like in charge of the leader, right? Like when he had his grocery delivery service and he just like was a maniacal like person in charge and other opportunities where he's like been handed leadership opportunities and he's kind of like let the power go to his head. He totally has grown. He, I actually did feel like he had a lot of self-doubt about it, but he definitely reacted to the advice of these like trusted individuals in his community in a way that like was very accepting and like acknowledged their advice to be the truth. <laughs> like he, he didn't just like continue, continue doubting himself. He's like, oh, okay. Like you just don't have to be perfect. Like I'm just being the best Joe I can be. Yeah. And I think, I think the idea of leaders don't have to be perfect, I think is very true, right? Obviously there is no perfect leader there. People make mistakes and the best leaders are those who can acknowledge their mistakes and learn from them. But I think that's the key is really the learning from it. I have worked for leaders who are just like, well, not everyone's perfect. So they just make mistake after mistake or they you know, just do a poor job leading and they kind of like rest on this idea of like, well, not everyone's going to have all the answers. And sometimes I just don't, but they're not really learning along the way. And that's super frustrating because you're learning along the way and you don't understand why they're not learning along the way. Um, but I don't, I don't think Joe fell into that trap. So it was, I thought he did a really good job. And I think it's an important lesson for kids to learn that you don't have to be perfect to, um, still have a position of leadership and to still be inspiring other people yep and honestly that was my key takeaway so I have nothing else to add but I do like I like I like your last point that like you know you can still make mistakes like you can still like be the boss you can still like be a leader or something like that but also like we talk a lot about like Brene Brown and like vulnerability and humility and things like that and I think like acknowledging that you are fallible that like you are still learning that you learn from the people you are leading, I think goes a long way as well. Um, so I think like no, knowing yourself and going on that vulnerability journey on yourself, if maybe like you didn't grow up in a community like Joe did or didn't grow up with the kinds of adults or like mentors or leaders like around him to encourage these like aspects of self growth. Um, regardless of whether or not you experienced that as a kid, I totally encourage everybody to check out some of Brene Brown's work <laughs> and explore your always. own vulnerability and leadership. <laughs> we always recommend Brene. It's true. It's true. And, you know, she's from Texas. So honestly, she's like an honorary member of this cast. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. 
Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's it. That's all. That's all I have. That's all we have for the show. Did you have a recommendation for our listeners, or did you have anything else you wanted to mention before we go into our rec? No, I don't have anything else. It was a pretty straightforward episode. Um, my recommendation this week is super basic, considering like pop culture right now. But I binged *Mayor of Easttown* on HBO this weekend. And I really loved it until the last episode. So I highly recommend. Um, it wasn't too spooky. It held my interest. I was interested all the way through. I just didn't like the like plot twist at the end, but that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Really well done. And actually what I found most interesting was I watched the like making of Mary of Easttown on HBO after I watched the whole series. And they talked a lot about the dialect and the way that the actors embodied this dialect of this town in Pennsylvania. And it was super interesting. It was only like eight and a half minutes, but um, if you're watching the show, I would super recommend watching that piece as well because it was really cool. I remember reading something recently about how like most people when they've set a movie or TV show in that location, they don't do the vocal training because it's like super difficult to do it because it's not New York, it's not Philadelphia, it's not Eastern PA, it's not Delaware, like it's oh, it's its own thing. So that sounds really interesting. Yeah, and like once you hear the actors, like three of the main actors aren't even American. So they, not only did they have to like speak with an American accent, but then they had to speak with a very specific American, like with a very specific dialect. And it was super, and one of the people is like a kid, like she was young. And I was just really impressed because I can't speak in an accent other than like a Minnesotan accent for more than five minutes. And like, I could do Minnesota all day, but I lived in Minnesota and I live in Milwaukee, which isn't that different. So <laughs> that's the only one I can do. And I know I'm not an actor and it's not my job to do those things, but it's still impressive. I'm very impressed. I can't do accents at all, but thank you for that recommendation, Jillian. My recommendation. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. I'm so excited to talk about my recommendation. My recommendation is a show on Netflix um, called Because This Is My First Life. And it is very much a rom-com. I really loved it. It It's very charming. Um, And the reason I'm recommending it is it took what could be like a really unrealistic trope that you've seen in other movies or books or TV shows of these two people get married so they could like be roommates. One person owns the apartment, the other person wants a room because it's not socially acceptable for a man and a woman to live with each other um, as roommates. So they decide to like, our lifestyles are compatible. We respect each other. Let's just get married. And um, obviously it's a rom-com, so they fall in love. But it just was so genuine. It really explores a lot of different aspects of like living a non-traditional lifestyle, um, having a non-traditional relationship, like uh, tradition. What do tradition? What do cultural traditions even mean? What do societal expectations mean? Um, and it's all the main characters are like in their thirties um, and really kind of exploring like personal and professional issues. Um, I will provide a content warning that early in the show, the main character, um, it somebody that she knows does attempt to sexually assault her. And I do think it's handled well throughout the entire series and 
addressed directly. Um, it's not it's not written off as like boys will be boys or anything like that. So uh, I thought that was important to share, but really, really charming. You root for the couple right away, even though it's just a ludicrous <laughs> concept. Um, but the show is called Because This Is My First Life. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, this is this the show you were texting me about that you were like you would hate this yes <laughs> <laughs> I loved it I really loved it there's like three couples they follow one is like a venture capitalist one is like a startup CEO there's another person who like works at a tech startup a young woman who like is a manager at a restaurant um, it's just like kind of like a lot of like different they're just like in a place in our, their lives where like we're in a similar place in our lives of being like, what are relationships anyway? Like, what are, like, like, what do we have to perform? What part of being in a relationship are, is performative? And like, what part is actually like helping you like bring, get joy out of the relationship, I think is something that isn't explored a ton um, in TV. So it was kind of nice to, to like see them being explicit about this is, us performing being in this relationship um and then ultimately having to make a decision about those performative actions so yeah the end as usual my recommendation is like half the length of the episode <laughs> <laughs> we just love to share our thoughts that's oh, why we have a podcast so that we can talk it's what you all signed up for <laughs> like listening it's to us true. share our thoughts everyone signed up for this it's not a surprise it's not a surprise <laughs> Well, that's all I had. Jillian, did you have anything else you wanted to ch chat with our listeners about before we close out? Um, I just wanted to put in a plug for um, Encyclopedia Patreon um, subscriptions. This month is June. It's Pride Month. Danny and um, the other people who are in the Encyclopedia Network have assembled some great um, Pride stickers, and there is a Wishbone one, so check that out. And uh, head over to Encyclopedia and subscribe to our fellow podcasts. And if you have a few extra dollars, support the Patreon so Danny can keep doing what they're doing. Love it. Thank you, Jillian. That's and please head to Encyclopedia on Patreon to support our podcast network. Love it. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back with you soon in your podcast feeds. And until then, watch Wishbone. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Subscribe to What's the Story with Jillian and Shauna wherever you listen to podcasts. Every episode of Wishbone is on YouTube, and we've linked them for you at wishbonepodcast.com. Hope you'll join in.